Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are crucified, risen, reigning, coming again, Redeemer. Praise you, God. Help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been asked uh, in your lifetime, and maybe it's happened more than once, it could easily happen, ever been asked kind of a haunting question? Might be surprising, maybe you kind of knew it was coming, but when I say haunting question, I mean it carries really huge consequences, and it might need an answer right in the moment, and you feel feel the weight of it, a haunting kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if haunting is the right word for like a marriage proposal, but it's kind of along those lines, right? A question of that magnitude. Wow, my, my whole life is, is hinging on the answer to this question. Um, there's something that connects with that through all the, the parables that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 13. It's a, a challenge, a haunting question that Jesus shared often throughout his teaching ministry in those three years. Uh, if we get any uh, indication from Scripture, and I think we do, it pops up every now and then throughout the Gospels. It's sprinkled through the parables and the Gospels all over the place. It's usually presented by Jesus as a statement that can easily be translated into a question, too. It's a statement that sounds like this. If you have ears, let them hear. Now, when we're doing our devotions, and even myself, you know, I, I tend to kind of just skate past that thing, but we need to slow down and stop. I, I wish we had a voice tone Bible. That's, that's one thing I'd like a Wycliffe to come up with us for, Steve, is a voice tone Bible. Uh, I'd also like a Bible that has in there, like, how long to pause. When Jesus asked a question, how long did he pause before he went on? When we're reading, we just tend to skate right on through. So when Jesus would share a parable or share a deep and challenging teaching, he would often say at the end, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I wonder how long he paused in those moments. We don't know. Was it a couple seconds? Was it 10 seconds? Was it a minute, which seems like an eternity when somebody's speaking to a group? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I present to you this morning that that is uh, a haunting, big, deep, powerful question. Eternity hangs in the balance. If your ears are not hearing the words of Jesus and responding, then eternity hangs in the balance. That's pretty big stuff, amen? So if it were a question, it might sound like this. Do you have ears that can hear me? Then hear me and respond. That's what's loaded into that statement. The statement is haunting. It's powerful. uh, It's challenging. And Jesus used it on purpose. Say glory. Was he the perfect teacher, the perfect communicator? Of course he was. So we're going to dig into this a little bit. Uh, it's, it's challenging. I'm, I'm going to chop up chapter 13. I don't know. My brain works this way. And I know you're along for the ride. Sorry about that. But we're going to, instead of starting in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, where Jesus tells the first parable, it's the parable of the sower, and then he unpacks some stuff down the line, we're going to jump right into this part of chapter 13. It's verse 9. 
And so, so just imagine Jesus just shared the parable of the sower. And in verse 9 he says, He who has ears, say it with me, He who has ears, let him hear. And so they're beginning to, they're, they're like, so they're trying to process the parable of the sower. And then Jesus drops this bomb on them. If you've got ears to hear, then let them hear. So there's, there, you can just hear and feel the gears meshing and kind of, you know, the people wrestling, grappling with it. Verse 10, then the disciples came and said to him, so there, there must have been a gap. It must have been like finishing the sermon, finishing the sermon with a cliffhanger. If you've got ears to hear what I just shared with you, the parable of the sower, then hear. It says, then the disciples came and said to Jesus, why do you speak to them, the crowds, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say, that's cool. Right? Secrets. You get to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. How sweet is that? It's wonderful. But the disciples are starting to grapple this. They're like, but Jesus, a lot of the people in the crowd, they aren't getting this. They aren't clicking. They aren't understanding. You say, Let it, if you have ears to hear, hear. And they're, and they're going, I don't, I don't get it. I guess I don't have the ears. I'm not getting it. So why do you teach in parables, Jesus, when a lot of the people in the crowd don't grasp and understand what you're sharing? Why do you teach that way? Isn't this a great big question? Wouldn't... Wouldn't you expect Jesus to teach in a way that everybody gets it, everybody understands, every ear can hear? What's, what's the deal here? This is really important stuff. Jesus, to you it has been given, uh, circle, if you've got your own Bible, circle that given, this is not, it's not about my own brain power, it's not about my goodness, my righteousness, or anything else, is it? God gives the ability to understand his word to people. It's a gift, like everything else God gives. It's a gift from him. So it says, to you it has been given, a gift from God, to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, to the wider crowd, those, uh, we'll find out in a second, it has not been given. Verse 12, for to the one who has, the one who can hear and receive and understand the, the kingdom of God, he says, for the one, to the one who has that, more will be given. And more and more. So your whole life is a growing in the knowledge of God and his kingdom. Say amen. Everybody say glory. That's cool. Right? And so you don't just learn something. You don't just get saved at an altar call and then that's all you got to get. It's a whole lifetime of growing in the knowledge of God and his kingdom and his ways. So he says, for to the one who has more will be given. And he will have an abundance. Doesn't God love to do everything in abundance? His grace is abundant. His mercy is abundant. His love is abundant. All these things. God loves abundance, even the knowledge of the kingdom. For to the one who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, it's a little bit more challenging for you because I didn't start with uh, this parable of the sower. But in the parable of the sower, one of the batches of seeds that gets sown, birds come and snatch it away before it can take root, right? So Jesus is saying, for those who don't have ears and don't understand and don't receive it and don't take it to heart, even the, what they don't get, it's, it's snatched away eventually because they aren't able to process it and make use of it. 
And that's sad. Even what they have will be taken away. Verse 13, Jesus says, here we go, answer. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And you go, okay, you, you're acting like you're answering our question, but I don't get your answer. Are you feeling like that? Okay, that's all right. That's all right. We're going to work our way through this. The Lord's going to show us, okay? So he says, this is why, because seeing they, they don't see, hearing they don't understand, they don't hear and they don't understand. Verse 14, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Okay, now say this next phrase with me. For this people's what? Heart has grown dull. And you say, wait a minute. We were talking about ears and eyes, weren't we? Okay, you know, you know the old song, right? Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. And then there's, what's the other song about what's connected to what? I want to share something with you. Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, the heart is connected to the ears and the eyes. Spiritually speaking. So when Jesus says, if you've got ears to hear, let them hear, is he talking about their physical ears? He is not. What's he talking about? their spirit and their spirit's ability to hear and receive, and that's connected to the heart response to God. So if your heart has no room for the Lord Jesus Christ or God Almighty, then your ears will not be able to hear and understand and process and know. Is that God's fault? No, it's not God's fault. So when Jesus teaches a bunch of cool stuff to a crowd, and then he ends it with, if you've got ears to hear, go ahead and hear. Is that a loving thing for him to say? For all the crowd that's not getting it, not understanding it? Is it a loving thing for him to poke them like that? You bet it is. He wants them to wrestle with it. He wants them to lose sleep over it. Does that make sense to you? Because they're in danger. And he wants them to become aware of their danger. He wants them to be unsettled with that danger. And he wants them to wrestle with it and bring hearts that are wrestling and becoming softer and yearning and longing for God. He wants that whole process to happen so their heart can be ready to listen and receive and be saved. Everybody say, now I understand. Okay, not everybody understands yet. That's okay, that's okay. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their what? Heart. heart. Okay, now keep in mind, in the Bible, when the Bible says heart, it's not just the emotional function. We tend to think that way, but biblical Hebrew and, and Greek too, when they think of heart, it includes the brain, the function of the mind and the will with the emotions. It's all a package deal. So it says, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, with the whole thing. And if, and if they did, they would turn. Normally we would expect the word repent to be there, right? Because it's, it's almost identical. They would return, they would, uh, they would turn, repent, and I would heal them. 
What has to happen for somebody who's hearing but not getting it? What needs to happen for them to get it and be able to turn and repent and be saved, be healed? The heart needs to change its condition. The heart needs to come to a place where it's willing to hear, wants to hear, longs to hear, and can receive. Can you and I fix that in somebody else's heart? How many wish you could? You're praying for people, amen? Don't you wish you could just walk up to them and, and, and give them the most perfect factoid of truth that would penetrate and help them just, well, yeah, that makes sense. I need Jesus. We all long for that, don't we? We, we can't do that. Salvation is a work of God. It's a work of his living word by his Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is detailing here for us, and this is why it's so mystifying for us, because this whole how does faith happen, how does salvation happen, it's a powerful, mysterious work of God. We want to be able to boil it down to a, you know, A, B, C, and we get D. It's love them, pray for them, speak the word, cast, sow the seed, but it's pray because it's a work of God that makes the heart able to receive Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 16, Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes to the disciples. He says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Now I want to go back to something here. Because Jesus quoted and referenced an Old Testament prophet, right? So when we're, we're reading the New Testament and that happens, they, they say, You know, the prophet so and so said this, and we all go, Oh, yeah. How often do, do we go back to the passage and read the context and see what God was doing through the prophet in that passage? I'm like you. I rarely do. Whenever I do, it's always amazing. Because here's what it's like. And I'll have a picture of it. But it's like you, you come into a new house, right? And the owners are showing you around. And they say, oh, and that's such and such a room. And the door is open. Maybe it's the library, okay? Maybe it's, it's a mansion kind of house, a place you want to really tour. And you're walking through it, and they have the rope across it, right? So you can't go in. And so the tour guy says, oh, and that's the library. And the door is open, so you can peek in, but we can't go in there. So you walk by in the hall, and you're just like, oh, that looks pretty cool. And you keep on going, right? That's what we do when we're reading the New Testament a lot, and it quotes the Old Testament. Here's what happens. What happens if the tour guy goes, well, you're the only people in the, it's a really small group today. I'm going to take down the, the rope and let you go in. And you go, <gasps> Glenn Sheen up in Duluth. Who's ever been there, right? Okay. Some of the rooms, they have them roped off. And you're like, I want to go in there. So here's what happens. You take the rope down and you go, and you step in and you go, wow, are you kidding me? And you go into the room and you're immersed. Okay, this is what it's like to go back. So we're going to do it right now. Isaiah, it's going to blow your mind. Isaiah chapter 6. Here's where this comes from. He's going to give us more insight and a challenge for us, but it's also all good. Isaiah chapter 6. Here's where Jesus quoted it from. This is, I'm getting goosebumps. This is so good. Chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, this is when he got the vision, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Okay, how many men were in the Metrodome with Promise Keepers, I don't know, 30 years ago or whatever, and we sang this song? I'd fill that place. We, net, we didn't want to quit. Um, I see the Lord seated on a throne, exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory, and the whole earth is filled. And the whole earth is filled, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And then we go back and forth, and the guy on the stage, you go, sing glory. And all 60,000 men, glory. They sing glory. We say glory. We go on and on. It just seemed like hours. It was so awesome. This is... In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I had a vision of God sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe, God is so big that just the edge of his robe filled the whole temple. How big is God? He's awesome. He's huge. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces because they couldn't stand to see the perfect holiness of God right before them, so they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew. And one called to another, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Woo, is he holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Wow. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost from a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord, the Yahweh, the I am of hosts. I'm undone. And one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Say it with me. Here I am. Send me. If you've never said that to the Lord, I urge you, get in your prayer closet today. Get, go out for a walk. Go one-on-one with the Lord somewhere. Just have some time with him. You see him in this throne room time, and you say to him yourself personally, make your own choice, your own volition, your own will, and say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Wherever you would have me go, I will go. Whatever you will have me do, I will do. Whatever you would have me speak, I will speak. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And God said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their, heart, their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their what? 
hearts and turn and be healed. You know who Isaiah's preaching to? He's preaching to a people who have been running away from God, shaking their fist at God, going their own way for generation after generation after generation. And God says, Isaiah, announce to them that it's just about over. I've had it. Unless they will understand with their hearts and turn from their sin and be healed. And then I said, God, that's a really hard sermon. How long do I have to preach that? How long, O oh Lord? How long do I have to give that message? And God said, now buckle up. Snuggy. Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Seriously? Who wants a call to that preaching ministry? Isaiah says, oh, how long, Lord, how long do I have to give that hard sermon? God says, until the place is just wiped out because they're not going to listen. The vast majority will not listen. The vast majority, their hearts will not receive. Now check out verse 13. There's good news here and there's sobering news here together. God says to Isaiah, and though a tenth remain in it, a tenth, you know what we call that? The Bible calls that? That's the remnant. Now, if you're making connections to where we are in America today, that's okay. Though a tenth remain, everybody say, praise the Lord for the remnant. Though a tenth remain in it, the remnant will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak tree whose stump remains when it is felled. Folks, even the, even the remnant is going to be pressed and persecuted and feel the flame of trial and tribulation. Okay, God just being up front with this, say thank you, Lord. We need, we need to go into this with eyes wide open, amen? amen? Okay, he says, here's the tenth, here's the remnant, but even the remnant is going to be burned until the stump remains. Here's the good news. The holy seed that is left is its stump. So here's the deal. <laughs> Woohoo! Are, are you still willing now to go one-on-one -on -one with the Lord and say, here am I, send me. If I'm to be part of the remnant and that's all that's left, send me, Lord. And if I'm to be a part of that remnant and the remnant is going to experience persecution and flame and tribulation, I'm willing, here am I, send me. And if the only thing left is for me to be a holy seed as the stump, then I'm willing to be that seed. Here am, I, here am I, Lord. Send me. Now, God is good and he's loving and kind. And he gives you and I the freedom 
to make that choice or not. That's up to you and me. I would rather make that choice eyes wide open going in than have to fight my way through it and realize how hard it's going to be and figure out what my answer is going to be in the midst of it. That's why God gave us his word, amen? So we're going into communion now. So I want to go back to verse... I wrote it down somewhere. Verse 5, 6 and 7. Back when Isaiah first experienced the throne room and he said, woe is me, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He says, I, I, I'm full of sin, I'm not worthy. And I live, I'm, I'm part of a people who are full of sin and unworthy. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord, the Yahweh, the I am of hosts. I don't have a prayer. I'm done. And then that wonderful seraphim angel comes to him with a coal, burning coal from the altar, touches his lips and says, your sins have been forgiven, your guilt's been taken away. Folks, we don't have a burning coal this morning, but we have something just as powerful. We have the body and blood of Jesus Christ in communion. And according to his word, all those who believe in Jesus and are confessing their sins this morning, you come here and it's like having the burning coal touch your lips. You will receive the body and blood of Christ Jesus. You will receive the promise of your sins forgiven. And then you'll be fit like Isaiah knew he was to say, here am I. You've made me clean and holy. You've forgiven my sins. Now I'm, now I'm ready. Here am I. Send me. So let's come to communion like that. Confessing, believing, trusting. Um, yeah, let's come like that. Mighty God, uh, our hearts long for the people we know and love to get saved. And we want so desperately to be able to do something ourselves to make it happen. God, uh, help us to pray and never give up. Help us to keep on sowing the seeds and never give up. But God, we, uh, we trust and give these precious folks we're praying for into your hands. You love them more than we do. Holy Spirit, come and, and uh, work on their hearts. Soften those hearts. Bring conviction of sin to those hearts. Give them a desperate hunger and thirst to know you, to be forgiven and to be loved and saved. God, only you can do the work, so we're asking you to do the work. Thank you, Jesus. Let more be saved before the trumpet blows and it's too late. Thank you, Father. God, now meet us in Holy Communion. Come and touch our lips with the body and blood of Jesus. Fill our whole being with your love, your forgiveness, your power to save. You're the only name under heaven by which we might be saved. So we come saying, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Empower me in your precious and powerful name. All God's people said, amen. amen. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread 
gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to all the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, he gave thanks, gave it for all drinks, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you join me from your heart now in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord welcomes you to his table.